This is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations, and you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. get blessed. Hallelujah. For those who don't know me, my name is Ray. I'm part of the leadership team here at Jubilee and uh, really pleased to see you guys this morning. Um, I'm going to bring in the word to you this morning and I pray that God will speak to us through that and help us and encourage us and give us direction. Before we begin, let's just uh, come before the Lord and, uh, and just pray and commit the meeting into his hands. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for all that you have done amongst us, Lord, and all that you are doing. We thank you for all that you're going to do as well, Lord. And we worship you, Lord, from our heart. And we say that we love you from our heart this morning. And that we're so grateful and thankful for your mercy and your grace upon our lives. And Father, we just love you. And Father, I thank you that you've called us to yourself to be your people. Lord, what a glorious, glorious privilege that is. And Lord, as we come before you this morning, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will come and you will speak, that you will challenge, you will provoke, you will encourage, you will heal, that you will have your way this morning. Help me just to be that mouthpiece, Lord, and nothing more. For I ask it for your name's sake. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. If you want a title for this morning's uh, uh, preach, um, it's a bit of a strange one, not my normal type, but I'll give you it anyway. And I've entitled it, um, Up the Creek Without a Paddle. I know it sounds a bit bizarre, but that's what I've entitled it. And you'll probably understand a little bit about where I'm coming from that as we carry on uh, during the service. But I've done that for a reason. I really wanted to Uh, get you guys thinking, because what I'm going to be speaking about this morning really is a passage, a very, very, very well-known passage in the Old Testament um, that I guess just about everybody's heard about. And I'm just wondering whether you'll guess from the title what that's going to be. There's no prizes for this, by the way, but I'm hoping that as we go along that somebody will guess what that passage is relating to. Uh, And we're going to read from the Bible um, in in a little short short while. I've got quite a lot to, to bring this morning and I don't think I'm going to have enough time to do it but we'll see, we'll see how we get on and I'll have to maybe cut it short because um, I really believe that um, it would be important for us to have maybe just an open time of prayer and ministry at the end uh, as God leads us in, into that. You know we have a lot of word pictures in English language um, to describe uh, being in a predicament. We hear phrases such, uh, such as being caught in between a rock and a hard place, or being up against the wall, or being in a pickle maybe, or even being in a sticky situation, or lastly, um, up the creek without a paddle, so to speak. Have you ever found yourself in a predicament? And a predicament can be something that's really unpleasant, difficult, can be perplexing, and even sometimes a dangerous situation Uh, or or even a dilemma. You know when you're in a predicament because it catches you off guard and you find yourself in a probably a really awkward situation maybe. Like a friend of mine who uh, found himself stranded in a strange city uh, having lots to drink, uh, got a taxi, 
and, and the taxi got him in the early hours of the morning to his destination and he got out of the taxi or should I say fumbled out and, 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 and realised that he hadn't got any money. There he was in a strange place, no money, uh, feeling a bit, uh, well, quite inebriated and, and the taxi man not looking too happy. What a predicament to be in. At least one person uh, has defined a predicament as being a lawyer who specialises in suing doctors for medical malpractice and then finding himself in need of major surgery. Or it could be that the the, the first-time parachuter who had never done it, thought he'd have a go, and off he went. And he's out the plane, and he pulls the cord, and the parachute doesn't open. So he pulls the emergency one, and that's failed. You might say that he was up the creek without a paddle. And then there's the story um, um, of a truck driver who pulled up at the roadside cafe in the middle of the night for a dinner stop. And halfway through his dinner, three rough-looking bikers roared up, bearded, leather jacketed, heavy, uh, filthy, uh, with tattoos adorning their chests and ear piercings in their ears and face with helmets in hand, entered the calf full of a few gallons of ale uh, in a rowdy and boisterous manner. For no reason, they all decided to select the truck driver as a target. One poured pepper over his head, another stole his apple, that was apple uh, pie with ice cream, and um, what happened was that... uh, One of the other guys, um, he deliberately knocked uh, a hot cup of tea over his lap and causing the the truck driver to get scolded. And the truck driver driver never said anything, not a word. He just got up, uh, paid his bill and went. And one of the uh, uh, bikers said, that truck driver isn't much of a fighter, is he? Stumbling around a little bit. And uh, and sneered at 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 the truck driver. And the lady behind the counter that's uh, peering out of the window into the night added, he doesn't even seem to be much of a driver either. Um, And then she added to that, he's just ran his truck over three motorbikes. (laughs) Not a predicament you want to be in if you're the, the motorcyclist. And this morning we'll see from this morning's patches that Israel was up the creek without a paddle so to speak. Their predicament was one of a more serious nature. In fact, it was a matter of liberty or bondage. Life or death. I wonder if this has given you a clue or helped you to identify the very famous Old Testament passage. Any takers this morning? No. Give that man a cigar. Well done, well done indeed. I've forgotten your name. I know your last name is Ruth. Dave. Thank you. Right. Um, I'm going to turn to the scriptures. If you've got your Bible, I'd like you to turn with me. Um, I'm going to read um, from Exodus chapter uh, 13, just the latter part of that, and then chapter 14, a whole lot of chapter 14. So we've got some kind of understanding of what transpired during that that period. So um, chapter 13 of Exodus, starting at verse 17. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, 
though that was the shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road towards the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt armed for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made his sons of, sorry, had made the sons of Israel swear an oath. He said, God will surely come to your aid and then you must carry my bones up with you from this place. After leaving Sukkoth and they camped at Ethium on the edge of the desert. By the day, by, by day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. Chapter 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back and, and camp and camp near Fihahiroth, between Mishdol and the sea. They are to encamp by the sea directly opposite Baal-Zivon. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. But I will gain the glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, What have we done? We have let the Israelites go and have lost their services. So he had his chariots made ready and took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots along all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, pursued the Israelites and overtook them and they camped by the sea near Fiharioth, opposite Baal-Zephon. As Pharaoh approached the Israelites, sorry, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it, beca- was it because there was no graves in Egypt you have brought us to the, to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't you say to, sorry, didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them and I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the angel of God, who had been travelling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from the front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. 
Throughout the night the cloud brought darkness to one side and light to the other side, so neither went near the other all night long. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided, the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground, and a wall of water on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued them, and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He made the wheels of the chariots come off so that they had difficulty driving. The Egyptians said, Let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and at daybreak the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it and the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and horsemen, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea. Not one of them survived. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground and the wall of water on the right and on their left. The Lord, that day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the great power the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. Quite a lengthy reading there. Just to give us uh, a little bit more background to this story, uh, Moses was chosen of God to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt, who were under captivity at that time and were forced into slavery, uh, slavery and labour. If you remember the story of Joseph, the guy, uh, that's a guy with a multicoloured coat, uh, who, led, uh, who was led by God through a number of difficult events uh, in his life and circumstances. Um, he went to Egypt and over a period... Um, God really elevated him to a very, very senior prominent position of authority within Egypt. And uh, he became very powerful. Um, and so God, God blessed him. And uh, after a while, um, Joseph's estranged brothers and his family, etc., all um, came over into Egypt and they, and they lived uh, in Egypt. And God really blessed them. Uh, so much so that they really grew uh, to, to a massive number. And the Egyptians got worried about this and, and saw it as a threat. And so what they did was they forced uh, the Israelites to become basically their slaves. And they uh, were treated harshly and cruelly. And they were made to be field hands, uh, made to make bricks and mortar. And it was a really, really harsh time for them. This book of Exodus marks the division between the bondage uh, in Egypt and the establishment of the people as a nation. Here in this chapter we see Egypt, sorry, Israel being delivered from the hands of Egypt. The passage shows us that God was on a mission to teach his people faith and reliance on him, to strengthen them and to cause them to believe in him and in themselves, to teach and mould them into a nation and prepare them for battle and war to form and shape them to become a military force to be reckoned with. 
which they would, uh, uh, because they would, would account, encounter many uh, strong enemies ahead of them who would seek to, to destroy them and overpower them. You know, God seeks to do the same for us. God seeks to build us. God doesn't want us to be weak Christians under the bondage of the world, slaves to the world, of what the world wants us to be like. He doesn't want us to be conformed to the, to the pattern of this world. Paul talks about it in Romans. But so easily we get enticed and we get pulled and drawn by the world. And before we know it, we're becoming exactly like the world. But God doesn't want us to be uh, weak Christians, uncertain of the hope that we have in Christ, or ignorant of his grace, palaced in the sight of the enemy, but certain of the gift of God that we have within us, sure of his, the power of his word, and strong in his strength, of his might, wise in the things of God, victorious in the face of, uh, in the face of defeat. He wants us to be humble in acknowledgement that he is God, and that he is merciful, and he wants us to be bold in giving him glory. And God was teaching all these things to Israel. He wanted to show his glory. He wanted to show his power. He wanted to display his might so that the people of Israel would stand back in awe and worship him for who he was. Israel's uh, passing through the Red Sea is one of the most exciting events recorded in the Old Testament. It was an event of great importance to the nation. It rid the Israelites once for all of Pharaoh's dominion. It also released them from the obligation to return to Egypt after traveling three days' journey into the desert to worship God. This was, in fact, the birth of the nation of Israel. This was a defining chapter in their history of Israel, a significant and momentous occasion that declared uh, God's clear, very clear intention and promise to his people, and he, and he displayed his awesome, mighty power in it. There is no way to water down the text to fit the natural explanations, even though many will try and do that by all sorts of different uh, arguments. The report clearly shows a miraculous work of God making a path through the sea, a path that had to be as wide as a mile and a half in order for the many people and animals to cross over. God made a very clear statement that Israel were his people. A people of covenant and promise. In the same way, he has made it clear through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ that we are his chosen people and promised heirs of, the, of his kingdom sealed by the Holy Spirit I wonder this morning whether you know that fact whether you've experienced the reality of Jesus Christ in your life are you sure that you belong that you are an heir with Christ Jesus that you belong in the kingdom of God this morning I thank God I praise his name that I can stand here this morning with you and declare that Jesus is my Lord and my Saviour. We're going to be looking at the chapter and we're going to draw a number of points out of that as we go along. Um, 
I'm going to have to be quite short because it's, uh, half my time's already gone. But the first thing I want to look at is in chapter 14, verse 1 and 2. And this uh, first phrase is that God has, plan, has a plan for Israel. And that plan's perfect. God has a plan for Israel. And that plan was perfect. And we see that in Exodus chapter 14, verse 1 and 2. Then the, led, then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Fiharioth, near Mishdol and, and the sea. They are to camp by the sea, directly opposite to Baal Zephon. The Bible clearly tells us there was a shorter route to take, but the people were not ready for, it, for, for them. So God took them a different route, one which was totally contrary to logical thinking even to the point that it sounded unreasonable to do what God has asked them to do, senseless even, to the natural mind. One would see the shortest route being the best route, but God knew differently. Through divine and supernatural intervention, God led in power to achieve his plans. But for Israel, at a certain point in their journey, it was literally the end of the road. There will be times, folks, when God will call us not to reason or understand, but simply obey. When things seem contrary to what we feel God has said to us even. But a word of caution here. This is not a license to take our brains and put them on the shelf. God does use us in many ways. But there will be times when our brain and our rationale will get in the way of what God wants to do. And we need to put it aside. Is God leading you? Are you finding it difficult to make sense of what is happening or what God is saying? Here's a story for you. The only survivor of a shipwreck was washed up on a small uninhabited island. He prayed feverishly for God to rescue him and every day he scanned the horizon for help but none seemed forthcoming. Exhausted, He eventually managed to build a little hut out of driftwood to protect him from the elements and to store his few possessions. But then one day, after scavenging for food, he arrived home to find his little hut in flames, the smoke rolling up to the sky. The worst had happened. Everything was lost. He was stunned with grief and anger. God, how could you have done this to me? He cried. Early the next day, however, he was awakened by the sound of a ship that was approaching the island. It had come to rescue him. How do you know I was here? asked the weary man of his rescuers. We saw your smoke signal, they replied. Folks, it is easy to get discouraged when things are going badly. But we shouldn't lose heart because God is at work in our lives. Even in the midst of pain and suffering, remember, next time your little hut is burning to the ground, it just may be a smoke signal that summons the grace of God. Going back to the people of Israel, God showed he was supremely and in full control by defeating the enemy. And in the same way, God has defeated our enemy, the devil, through the precious death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. God has a plan for Israel. God has a plan for you and I.
And Romans tells us that we, and we know that all things, that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Praise God. Hallelujah. Second thing I want to bring to our attention is that God leads his people, and we see from chapter 13, uh, verses 17 and 18. It says the following, When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. 18. So God led the people around the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt, armed for battle. And then in Exodus Exodus chapter 14, uh, verse 17 says the follows I will harden this is the Lord speaking I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that will go so that they will go in after them and I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army through his chariots and his horsemen why did God lead them this way maybe because they were not ready for war however they did arm themselves and marched out boldly. But God knew the Philistines were too formidable an enemy for Israel. Plus the Israelites had been subjected to slavery. And, and this had caused their spirits to be crushed. This generation of Israelites had no experience of battle or war. All they had experienced was cruelty, harshness, slavery and bondage. God knows our hearts. He knows what we're truly capable of. And he uses situations and circumstances to show us what we're really like. And we may be, act in a certain way and depict one thing, yet think totally the opposite to try and hide ourselves from the real truth, just like the Israelites. They went out boldly, armed for war, but they were not ready for it. And it showed later in the passage in their grumblings against Moses when things got really, really hot. And secondly, God wanted to gain the glory. He wanted the whole world to know that he is the only God. He did this by displaying his mighty power over this formidable, impressive, amazing, mighty, supreme Egyptian nation. He made a spectacle of them all. And the whole news went all over the earth that God was on the side of the Israelites that they were his promised people. Third thing I want to bring out to our attention is, uh, is in chapter 14 and verse 10. Um, and this is what it says. And I entitled this, that they were terrified and fear can cripple you. Chapter 10, sorry, verse 10 of chapter 14. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there the Egyptians, and there were the Egyptians marching after them they were terrified and cried out to the Lord. As Pharaoh's armies came after Moses and the Israelites, it looked like an, an impossible situation. To the east was a sea, to the southwest uh, there were mountains, and to the north was Pharaoh's army. The Israelites were in a major predicament. They were trapped. They were, so to speak, up the creek without a paddle. The only option seemed to be either get killed in battle or drown 
trying to swim across the sea. It looked as though they were boxed in and no matter what they did, the way they turned or what they contemplated, they appeared to be no way out. And I guess what? And guess what? They were right where God wanted them to be. They were in the perfect will of God and yet in his will their faith was being tested. You might be sitting here this morning and like the children of Israel, you appear to be boxed in. It seems your problems are too big and nothing you do brings you relief. You are surrounded and the enemy is coming to you from the rear. The enemy, the enemy is mocking you and telling you how foolish it is to trust God. Or maybe he's telling you that uh, it will do no good for you to have faith. Or he's saying your marriage is going to fall apart. Or your finances will never improve. Or your health will continue to deteriorate. Maybe he's telling you to quit church. Maybe he's telling you to bow out of ministry. The enemy is always on our backs. Now I suppose the Israelites were right to some degree. It would have been better for them to remain as a slave than to die in the wilderness. But the truth is, God did not intend for them to do either. He had plans for them. Plans greater than they could imagine. Of course they were not going to die in the wilderness. The Egyptians didn't want to kill them. They wanted to take them back as slaves. Maybe you feel hemmed in this morning by the enemy. Is the enemy putting you under pressure? Is the enemy robbing you of your joy and your peace that you have in the Lord? Is the enemy bringing you anxiety and fear? Don't be alarmed. God is with you. Let's just look at the advice that Moses gave to the Israelites. Moses said, Stand firm. Stand firm. And we see that in verse 13 of chapter 14. Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. Wow. What a promise. What a promise. But just think for a moment. There you are, mountains either side of you. Water stopping you from crossing to the other side. 600 top of the range chariots charging towards you. Another 400 behind them with people who were really, really angry. And somebody has a goal to say to you, stand firm. But you know what? It's at times like that that God does ask us to stand firm. When the going is tough, when it looks like there's no way out, God will speak, small voice, and say to you, stand firm. And we will have to deal with the fear that we feel and, ex- and, 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 and experience. But how do we do that? How do we deal with it? by replacing it with faith. You see, fear and faith don't go together. You have to do with one before you can have the other. 
And one of the ways that we can do that is by firstly acknowledging where we are. Acknowledging to ourselves and to God and giving that fear over to him and then reaching out to him for faith by relying on his word and his promises and declaring his love and faithfulness to you. It's a well-known passage from Ephesians chapter 6. And it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore put on the full armour of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm. Then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is a word of God. We need to make sure that we have our armour on. We need to remind ourselves that we are in a spiritual battle. It also talks very uh, much about the fact that God will uh, fight for you. And it's really good that Sam came out earlier on and and, and shared from uh, Exodus chapter 15 about God fighting for you. You know, that is so glorious. That is so fantastic. God loves us and he understands everything about us. And when we, when we lose it, when we haven't got the strength, when we're down in the dumps, God will fight for you people. God will be on your side. There's a lovely verse in Deuteronomy 24. And it says, The Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you the victory. I'm going to read that again because I believe it's for somebody here this morning. Deuteronomy 24. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. It also talked about being still before God. We know Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations, says the Lord. I will be exalted in all the earth. The American Standard Version says, Cease striving and know that I am God. And we need, we need to be still before the Lord, even in the battle. We'll have to skip a few things here. I'm just trying to decide which things to skip. One of the points I wanted to bring out was in verse four to, uh, verse 10 and 15 of uh, chapter 14. And the phrase is, Why are you crying out? Why are you crying out? As Pharaoh approached the Israelites, 
So as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. And in chapter uh, 14, uh, verse 15, it says, The Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. There will be times when we are going to be crying out to the Lord and God will be saying to us, move out. God will be saying to us, move on. God will be saying to us, go forward. You know, Tim was talking earlier this morning when he shared the verse from Philippians about forgetting what's behind you and pressing forward. Maybe God's asking you to press forward. You see, God expects us to do our bit. He expects us to have faith. Is the Lord asking you to step out in faith this morning? Maybe it's a business venture. Or maybe a career move. Maybe it's a a ministry opportunity that God's bringing your way. Or maybe it's just serving within the church here. Whatever it is, the Lord says, get moving. Was it wrong for Moses to cry out to the Lord for help? There seems only one reason that I can think of. Moses should have known what to do and should have done it. It almost seems as like the Lord um, is sort of mildly uh, reprimanding Moses here. And there are times that God gives us the means and the ways to go forward, yet we fail to use that which he has given us. That verse of scripture maybe that you've shelved so neatly and have forgotten about may be the key to your breakthrough. The Lord told Moses to stop praying and get moving. Prayer must be a vital place in our lives, but there is also a place for action. Sometimes we know what to do, but we pray and we pray. We seek guidance and we excuse ourselves and postpone doing that which God has asked us to do. This morning, folks, if you know what you should be doing, then it's time to get moving. It's time to go forward. It's time to move on. We're running out of time. I'll bring things to a close. I'm going to ask a question. God gave Moses a staff. What's God given you? What's God given you this morning? God has given us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, he will help us and he will guide us. He will lead us. He will encourage us. He will impart gifts to us as we trust and obey him, far better than any staff. Praise God. But you know, one of the things that Moses was supposed to know what to do, he didn't do, and God mildly rebuked him, as I said earlier, was that he had the staff in his hand. And if we look at the chapters prior to this chapter 14, from chapter 6 onwards, in chapter 6 and chapter 7 and chapter 8 and chapter 9, God trains Moses trains Moses to use a staff. God, first of all, demonstrates what to do. God stretches his hand out on different situations, different circumstances. God stretches his arm out, he stretches his hand out, and then he says to Moses, right, here's a staff, 
He showed him what to do with it. Now, I want you to do this. And he says, right, strike the Nile. And it turned into blood. Aaron, strike the Nile. And the frogs came out. So he demonstrated by first showing them how, he, how to do it. Then he taught them, here, here's a rod, you do it. And they did it. And they saw God move in a miraculous way. And here they are. He's not new to this. Here they are at the Red Sea. The enemy's coming. Staff in hand. And what does he do? Did he panic? I don't know. Had he forgotten he had the, the staff? Don't think so. Was he waiting for more instruction? Maybe. But you know, God has given us tools. And maybe this morning, he's nudging you and saying to you, I'm not giving you a staff, but I've given you the Holy Spirit. I've given you the gift of prophecy. I've given you the gift of blessing others by what you say, by what you do, the gift of hospitality. Maybe God this morning is nudging you and saying it's time for you to be brave. And when God is nudging you to sing that song that's given to you, it will bless everybody. So we've got things to learn in that respect that God has given us tools. Most of all, he has given us a helper, the Holy Spirit. And that's amazing. Absolutely amazing. God's Promises so much to his people, but at times his people fell short of realizing what God had promised, but not God. The people lacked a sense of destiny and adventure. God made a promise, a covenant with his people to be their God. We are the people of promise this morning, chosen, called to inherit the kingdom of heaven. We are his people. We are the ones who are called to display the grace of God to challenge the world, to set the captives free, to heal the poor, to minister to the weak, to inspire the hopeless, to save the lost, to bring peace to the troubled, to heal the sick, to be a people of faith. These things will glorify God. Amen? Are you willing to stretch out your arms and hands to make this happen? Let's live in the moment of grace and not shy away from it. Let's believe God has a plan for us, for me and for you. Let's fulfill our destiny. Let's be like Moses leading those under bondage and slavery of this world to the gates of heaven to our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, when you're in a predicament, you don't see the big picture. And Israel never saw themselves Sorry, Israel saw themselves as fleeing from the enemy rather than seeing the bigger picture of entering into the promised land of, in, of their inheritance in God. This morning, folks, we have an amazing, amazing inheritance in God. Just listen to this. I've got five minutes, I'm going to have to cut it short. I'm not going to read the whole passage. Peter 1, verse 3. Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us as new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, 
kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is already being revealed in the last time. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. What have I done to deserve that inheritance? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. But he has favour and mercy on me. God made a very clear statement that Israel were his people, a people of covenant and promise. In the same way he's made it clear to us today that through the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ we are his chosen possession. We belong to him. We are the promised heir sealed by the Holy Spirit. So when you find yourself up the creek without the paddle, so to speak, God will make a way where there seems to be no way. Glory to his name. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. If this morning you would like to know a little bit more of what it means to be a Christian, what it means to have faith, what it means to know Jesus as your saviour and friend, then please, please do come and speak with me. I'd love to talk to you, love to share with you this morning. But I'm going to bring the meeting to a close. And I want you to remind you that if you find yourself up the creek without the paddle, remember, God has a plan for you, just like the Israelites. If you find yourself up the creek without a paddle, remember God leads you through it. If you find yourself up the creek without a paddle and fear is all over you, you don't need to fear. You can stand firm in him. If you find yourself up the creek without a paddle, the Lord will fight for you. If you find yourself up the creek without a paddle. Stretch out your arms and your hands and let God do a miracle for you. Praise his name. Hallelujah. And ask the music group to come up in a little while. Um, while I do that, one of the things I wanted to share with you was, and this really message really came from um, a few months back now, um, when I just took some time out to just to be with the Lord and just get away, and I felt the Lord was calling to me to be uh, quiet and still before him and just hear from him. And during that time, I'd gone out on a, on, on a retreat and um, I was walking. And it was the day, on the day, it was a terrible day. It's absolutely showering it, pouring it, uh, down with rain and rain and rain. And um, it was just miserable. But anyhow, um, it died down a bit and I went for a bit of walk in the countryside and in the lanes. And just to be with the Lord, just worshipping the Lord and just saying, Lord, just speak to me, etc., and as I walked into the country lanes, I came to uh, a part of the, the a lane that had a, quite a massive dip in it. And because of all the rain, the dip had sort of filled itself up with water. And it was dirty and it was horrible. And it was for it was over the whole width of the lane. So I tried to get around, around the side and I couldn't do it. I tried to get around the other side and I couldn't do it. And there was just no way through. And... Um, I guess the only way through was to walk through the puddle. And the puddle was probably about four and a half inches deep, maybe five. And it's mucky, it was horrible. And um, I only had one pair of shoes. I had two pet socks. One pair of shoes. And I didn't really fancy getting my feet wet. But I wanted to go forward. I wanted to get the other side. And, uh, and I just stood there. And I thought, I've tried going here and then. I can't do it. How am I going to get over? And... Um, sort of dipped my toe in the water, thought, nah, it's a bit too deep, I'm going to get wet. I don't want to do this. 
And as I stood there and looked at that, God began to speak to me, hence the message. And one of the other things he said to me while I was there, I really felt that what happened was I actually then turned away and went the other direction. And as, as I was walking away, God said to me, there are people in this place this morning that have come to this place and have stopped. They want to go forward, but they can't see a way. And what's happening is they're looking at the water, looking at the depth, looking at the muckiness, the dirtiness, and they don't want to go through it. And I believe that God is calling one or two of us in this meeting present this morning to go forward. To make that step and go forward. Now that might mean you might get wet, you might get dirty. And whatever it is that God is asking you to do, you need to hear his voice, not mine this morning. And I just really felt I wanted to share that with you this morning. And if you want prayer, whatever's stopping you from going forward, whether you're struggling in the spiritual realm, whether you're struggling in the physical realm, whatever it is that's stopping you from making that step, whether it's moving career, whether it's financial difficulties, whether it's your health, whatever it is, God wants you to move forward this morning. And if you'd like prayer for that this morning, I'd like to welcome you to the front and somebody will pray with you. And together we will see you get to where you need to get to. Let's stand together. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk.